Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Inside the Alliance podcast. This is the first edition of this new podcast. My name is Kevin Long, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Boswick. Bos, why don't you introduce yourself to the folks? Uh, you ready to get to some AAF talk here? I can't wait, Kevin. I- I'm excited. You know, out here in the great state of Ohio, we're, we're just desperate for anything fun, honestly. So yeah, more football, the better. So, absolutely agree. I think everyone gets sad towards the end of the season. Obviously, everyone looks forward to the Super Bowl, but no one wants to see it come to an end. So, really excited for the AAF here, both of us. Uh, the league will start on Saturday, February 9th, 2019. That'll be about six days after the Super Bowl. So, we're really excited to get to it. So, for those of you that aren't familiar with the league, uh, it was founded just last year by filmmaker Charlie Ebersole and former NFL GM Bill Polian. Also spent some time on ESPN. Uh, you know, he has a great track history with football, and we're really excited to see what he's going to do with this league. The league consists of eight centrally owned teams in eight different cities across the southern part of the United States. So essentially this will be one entity. There won't be separate owners, separate uh, GMs, anything like that. We will have one entity, which is the AAF. Um, and the way it works, they will have an Eastern Conference, which consists of the Atlanta Legends, the Birmingham Iron, the Memphis Express, and the Orlando Apollos. And the Western Conference will consist of the Arizona Hotshots, Salt Lake Stallions, San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet. Now, we also have some big names who are joining this league. Uh, we have a couple of former NFL coaches and players who have made their mark in the NFL and have since moved on, and now they're looking to make their mark on a new league. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Steve Spurrier, who will be the head coach of the Orlando Apollos. Spent three seasons at Duke, 12 seasons at Florida, uh, and then he made his way into the NFL, coaching for the Washington Redskins for two seasons, and then he came back to South Carolina where he finished out his career uh, for 10 years with the Gamecocks. Now he is joining the Orlando Apollos to make a mark in this new league. Mike Singletary is going to coach the Memphis Express. He was selected in the second round of the 1981 NFL draft by the Chicago Bears and went on to have a Hall of Fame career. He also spent a couple of years as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers where he had some moments and he really made a name for himself as a head coach with some of his post-game antics. So we're absolutely looking forward to more of that from him in this league. Uh, and finally, the, the last big name we have here, although there are others, uh, Dennis Erickson of the Salt Lake Stallions. He co- coached at a variety of different colleges, but most notably, we coached at Miami for five seasons. He won two national championships in the early 90s. He then turned that into two short stints in the NFL with both the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. So we got a couple of guys here who are very decorated at both the college and the NFL level level. Now I'm going to throw this to you, Boz. Who are you excited to see in terms of coaches in this league? Yeah, so coaches is a great um, lead into this league because I think that's what the AAF really wanted to do. They wanted to get big-name guys like you mentioned, and it it sparks that that excitement for everybody. So you might not have some of the – biggest name players, but you got these big time coaching legends and, you know, Steve Spurrier, Mike Singletary, everyone who you just mentioned. Um, that being said, I got my eyes on someone else that I'm very excited about. Did a little research here. I checked out 
The offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Legends is none other than the Michael Vick. Now, uh, returning to Atlanta. To ex- exactly. Exactly what I was thinking. So I, I liked him when he was with the Eagles. Um, obviously, I used to play with him on Madden all the time. I think it was Madden 05. Uh, you just couldn't touch him. Um, he, he literally is an Atlanta legend. Not just the team name. He is a legend of Atlanta. And I'm excited to see uh, who who their quarterback is. And we'll get to that in a later pod. But I'm excited to see what he does with their quarterback. And I hope they have a running quarterback just to see that that coaching wear off from him onto them. And that's just, it's going to be very exciting. You know, he's, he was one of the most, if not the most electric player in the history of football. Now, I know neither of us are football players here, but... Is that something you can teach? Can Michael Vick teach someone else to be Michael Vick? And can he teach someone else how to use his legs the way that Michael Vick uses his? Because he he seems to do it in a way that no one in even today's game does it. He uh, uh, so I'm interested in your take. What do you think that he's going to bring to that offense? So you make a good point. He if I worked with him, he probably wouldn't have me running a four four. That's just facts. You never right. know. Don't put yourself down like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, but what he has, though, he has obviously a very interesting past, and, and he has something that he can teach and experience, too. So he's had the ups, he's had the downs, and uh, he, he's really been able to relearn himself throughout his career. And basically, you know, towards the end of, of his career, I'm not sure how much he followed him, but uh, he didn't have that 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 fast twitch muscle after he came out of prison. He didn't have that same speed and he refound himself and he was able to play more in the pocket. So I think that's something that a lot of players as this league continues, where we see quarterbacks in college who are just, they, they run, they run, they run and passing is a second option. And I think if he could get his hands on one of those type players and teach him to have more of a pocket presence and, and learn the different reads for everybody, I think he has a lot. He, he can really do a lot for those players and it, it's exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just like you said, uh, you know, a lot of these players are going to be guys who are getting a second lease on life, so to speak. Some guys who have been in the NFL and didn't make it, you know, for a very long time or were stuck on practice squads or maybe a guy who just got missed and getting drafted this year, getting a chance to uh, refine themselves and find their way back onto a practice squad or maybe even a 53-man roster in the NFL. So, It'll be very interesting to see what a guy like Michael Vick can do to help some of these guys get back into the NFL. Yeah, so what I was thinking with the NFL, it was really lacking this market. They didn't have a farm system, per se, like other sports do, where the the G League or uh, the minor leagues for baseball. The NFL doesn't really have that. You had to go to Canada and play a completely different game up there, or, or you're on the practice squad and not really getting full reps. So I, I think I think the NFL needed this type of market, and it's it's going to be a, a good complementary to it. Agreed. It's going to make for some exciting football. Uh, some other key notes that are exciting about this league is a lot of the key executives in this league are former NFL players. So un- unlike the NFL, we're going to have a lot of players who have been there and done that before, and they understand the ins and outs of the game, and, and they may be able to uh, create some of the rules of this game around what players are looking for 
some of these executives that we're looking at are Troy Polamalu and Heinz Ward of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jared Allen, who played for the Minnesota Vikings, and Justin Tuck, who played for the New York Giants, as well as the Oakland Raiders. So we're, we're looking forward to what these guys can bring to this league uh, and potential added excitement that they can, you know, re-energize the game of football uh, because it's really been a market that has been declining over the past couple of years. You know, obviously the NFL is one of the most popular, if not the most popular league in America right now, but it has certainly been losing some popularity recently. So it'll be interesting to see what these former players will be able to bring this game through their platform on the Alliance of American Football. Now moving on, uh, some other things that are going to make this league exciting are the new rules. Obviously, there are a lot of there's a lot of objections to some of the rules in uh, the NFL. There's a lot of back and forth on what is a catch, what's not a catch, and there, there are all these questions. And, and players are not agreeing with some of the executives in the NFL. So. Boz, why don't you give me a couple of rules that you're looking at that may change the way this game is played compared to the way the NFL is played? Yeah, yeah. Well, so this is actually one of the parts that I was most excited about. Um, I love fun little stuff where where it just it's different. You know, everybody likes to speculate as a fan of, you know, I wish I, I wish you could do this. I wish you could change overtime rules. I wish you could, you know, get pass interference calls when someone hits you. 10 feet before the ball gets there like just simple stuff like that <laughs> yeah that's not supposed to happen but traditionally <laughs> it does and sometimes it affects the super bowl play um teams. sometimes but, yeah but so <laughs> anyways the aaf it does have some extra rules that they do deviate from the nfl a little bit some of their biggest ones have to do with the kicker so what they want to do is they want to get rid of the extra points, uh, have you going for two all the time. So that's that's one thing that I, I personally don't mind. I, I kind of like having that that indecisiveness of do you want to kick it? Do you want to go for two? You know, does the math work out? All of that stuff. But uh, I, how, are, how are your thoughts on this rule? I think this is probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah, I think it's something that's exciting. So now to be clear, they have to go for two every time, so mm -hmm. it's either six or eight. There's no way to get seven points in this game. Yeah, so I I believe that it's only going to be uh, you can only go for two, and it counts as two points as well. So there won't be any more one point um, extra point plays. So it's it's you go for two, you have to go for two. You will go for two. Uh, the next odd rule that I saw is the elimination of kickoffs. Uh, you will just begin on your own 25-yard line and start the drive. So I'm sure you're asking, what about the onside kick? Well, what we're going to do is they're going to start at their own 35-yard line, and they have a 4th and 10. If they make it, they keep the drive going. If not, the other team gets the ball. Thoughts? Wow, that's interesting. So are there kickers at all in this game? Do we, do we even have a need for a kicker? Well, you still have field goals. So okay. you still have people to double doink it and whatnot. So there's still the need for kickers and, and all that. But, yeah, no more kickoffs, no more field goals. So kickers have an even smaller role at this point. They, they All they have is field goals, no extra points, no kickoffs, nothing. You have a kicker and a punter. The kicker kicks field goals and punter just does the punt. That's it. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully that we can start finding some hybrid kickers too to save a, an extra roster spot, and you can 
I've always thought, why can't kickers just punt as well? It, I mean, all you need to do is just use your leg. So it's it's the same motion. I don't. Know. You would think, right? How how much time do you need to spend working on kicking? I mean, we Kick. say that, and then we see you know extra points missed all the time, field goals mm-hmm. inside forty yards missed all the time. You would think if that's all you do, it wouldn't be all that difficult. But I, I, I'm guessing there's something to that if there are so many guys that struggle with that day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, well the. The good thing is is the AAF does their job to eliminate as many kicker positions as possible. So going back onto the onside kick, because I think this is probably uh, the bigger aspect of that. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have returns anymore, which I used to love. But, you know, it, it kind of keeps the game moving. But the onside kick, where it's no longer an onside kick, which with the new rules in the NFL, it's basically impossible to even recover that now that you don't get a running start. So I actually like giving teams this opportunity to do it, but it, it's such an unusual, unusual uh, mindset where it's, hey, you have fourth and ten and, and go for it. So what do you think about that? It seems like it's a much easier system. You would think that the success rate of starting at the 35-yard line and converting a fourth and ten is much greater than recovering an onside kick. You know, fourth and tens are something that we see over and over again. You can have a team that's down by three scores, going into, you know, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they can just keep rolling. If that offense mm-hmm. is on fire, then they could potentially not be stopped. They don't have to rely on a kicker to get the onside kick for them. They can just keep rolling their successful drive, come back to the 35, start with a fourth and 10, you convert, and then you're on the move again. So I think it'll be very interesting. I, I think It'll make for a more interesting game because teams mm-hmm. will not be out of it as quickly as they are in the NFL. Like I said, you could be down by three scores with five minutes to go, and, and you can easily come back if your offense is rolling. So I, I think it's interesting. It's potentially <laughs> unfair to you know to institute a rule like this, but it certainly makes for some more interesting football, which is obviously what these guys are going for here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm kind of thinking, uh, like you said, uh, uh, an offense that's on fire. It it immediately made me remind remind of the uh, college football overtime rules where the team that gets the ball second, they go down and score. I'd say almost 100% of the time, they just carry that momentum right into the next possession and go down and score again. So, I mean, if you got a defense that's been out there for eight minutes beforehand or, you know, five minutes beforehand getting torched up by the quarterback... And then all they need to do is another fourth down. That's such a letdown if you let that happen. And and it gives teams a chance to come back into the game, which I love to see. I I hate, you know, the game just ending on a on a missed onsides kick. Well, that's just the other thing, too. You know, you think about the Pats Chiefs AFC championship game this mm-hmm. past weekend, and you look at the Chiefs just getting beat down, beat down, play after play, going into overtime. They just look like they have nothing left. So let's imagine you have a team like that who's getting beat down, but they're up by a couple scores. But at this point, they're so beaten down, there's nothing they can do to stop the offense. They can just keep rolling that into a 4th and 10 on the 35-yard line every game, every, every, after every touchdown. Uh, I mean, it's really going to make for some exciting football, but mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how that rule comes into play and whether or not they, you know, they change that at all over time. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you there. I 
the one thing I will say where I, I know the defense does get tired, but I mean, you just have to make one play. If, if you can't make a play on fourth and 10, you know, do you deserve to hold on to that lead? It, you know, the defense is half the game and, you know, defense wins championships. So yep, absolutely. It puts even more emphasis on the defense in this league. It's vitally important. Mm-hmm. So what else you got for me? How else are they trying to increase viewership and make this game more interesting in the AAF? Yeah, so a couple of rule changes that the viewer might not notice as much because um, it, it's not as abrupt of a, of a play change per se, but uh, they're not going to have TV timeouts. So uh, along with shorter commercials, they're hoping to make their game last approximately 150 minutes as opposed to the NFL 180 minutes. Um, so in today's uh, generation, they do want to keep things short and sweet and keep the action going. Um, along with that, they're also going to shorten the play clock from 40 seconds to 30 seconds. So this is really going to enhance those offenses that have that, that fast hurry-up type offense. Um Personally, I, I love the the no TV timeouts. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a game that's been part, been televised. It's the worst thing in the world because you're just waiting. Um, but as for the play clock, I thought 40 seconds was pretty pretty good. Where you could audible once you get up to the line of scrimmage, and maybe you might not see that as much now. I mean, it's definitely a advantage to the defense. You're saying it's an advantage to the defense to have a shorter play clock? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. On the other end, though, it's not as much time for them to get rest. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it is it is difficult for the offense to get the play in quickly. You sort of have to be, in, if not, you know, a hurry-up offense the entire time, some type of a hybrid where you have plays scripted out ahead of time because mm-hmm. you don't have time to fully huddle up and go through an entire play call and, and you know, get the snap off. Generally, that takes 30 seconds in itself just to, yeah. to get lined up. So. It'll be interesting to see how that affects the game. Coaches are going to need to be better prepared, absolutely, um, and ready to go uh, as soon as the drive starts. And in preparation for the games, you're going to see a lot more scripted-out games. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a big hot-button issue in the NFL is the overtime rules. So what are the overtime rules for the AAF? So the AAF is trying to get football on pace with every other sport in America that matters outside of soccer because that's not a sport. No ties. There are no ties. I love it. There is no annoying little one at the end of, of your standings. And there is no annoying calculations you have to make out. And, you know, you don't have to wait for a team to tie. And, you know, you got to jump them by that. There are no ties. I love this. <laughs> So how's the structure? Is it still the same in the NFL where you flip for the coin toss and then you go right into it? Or how does that work? So the AAF hasn't specifically laid out the ground rules. If it is going to be um, just uh, sudden death in the sense of there's no time, but they trade possessions, or if they will just have an extra quarter and they keep playing quarters, uh, that's something that we will be finding out once the league officially starts. Uh, the AAF has been a little secretive with some of their rules, so. Um, but I'm excited to find out uh, uh, the full landscape of how that's going to be. So, uh, again, those are just a couple of the odd rules that the AAF is having, and it it, it piques excitement for, for the average fan. It's It's something new. Yeah, absolutely. They are absolutely trying to drive some viewership to these games, and 
uh, you know, tie some of these local regions to their teams. Uh, we've seen some rules regarding players and uh, specifically quarterbacks that these teams can go after. They're trying to, you know, build some some camaraderie with these teams, some, uh, you know, patriotism towards their teams by re- restricting uh, the quarterbacks to the areas where they're from. So, for instance, Aaron Murray, the standout quarterback from Georgia of a couple of years ago, he will be the quarterback for the Atlanta Legends. So a lot of Georgia Bulldog fans will be inclined to tune into the Atlanta Legends games and cheer for that team. And uh, I think it's a great way to to get some of these college football fans into the AAF. So I'm really excited to see some of that. A lot of these teams are going to be playing uh, at college fields. Uh, the Arizona Hotshots will be playing at the Arizona State Stadium. The Orlando Apollos will be playing at where the UCF Knights play. So it'll be very interesting to see how that all works out for this league. Uh, you know, as for the contracts in this league, uh, it's very different from the NFL where um, every starting quarterback through backup safety and everyone will start with the same contract. They'll start with a three-year, $250,000 deal. However, uh, these contracts are laid in with a lot of opportunities to earn some bonuses. So some of these bonuses can be earned through performances like you see in the NFL. But unlike the NFL, you can also earn bonuses through fan engagement. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this is something that players can generally earn on their own in the NFL. You have your Antonio Browns of the world that get all kinds of shoe deals and you name it. He He's made money doing it. Peyton Manning has been in every commercial imaginable. He's making tons of money doing that. Now we're looking at players who maybe aren't necessarily uh, big names at this point, maybe can be, but they're able to earn some money through fan engagement uh, on their own. So, Boz, I'll throw it back to you. What, what are your thoughts on the contract setup of the AAF? So for the contract setup, I, I like it at face value. I, I think they might end up having issues down the road. I, I think uh, it's very easy to say everybody gets paid the same um, until you have one player who is putting his life out there and literally making the team millions of dollars and he gets in there and he says you know why am i making as much as a backup safety um so again to start off i love the idea but it's going to be interesting to see and it's something to keep monitored but i think Uh, that's the point of the performance bonuses as well right the performance bonuses are able to stock up their um you know they're able to get Mm -hmm. more value out of that and then you know if they're they're really struggling with that you go sign some autographs, you go yeah. to some charity events, do some fan engagement, you know, a good way for them to earn some additional money that way as well. well so that's what I wanted to get into more uh, that I'm excited about is the fan engagement. When I did see that that was a bonus structure, I think the AAF knew exactly what they were doing. They know that to get excitement in the league, they need to have that interaction. I mean, you look at uh, uh, the NBA, why they've grown in popularity so much recently is all the pettiness they have, you know, over Twitter, uh, you know, you got guys drawing back and forth with fans. I mean, obviously, you do want positive uh, interactions between the players and fans. But we live in a social media world where these players can be contacted. You don't need to write them a letter. It, it's such a great and easy way to say, hey, interact with the fan, get them excited about the sport and the game, and, you know, we'll get you bonuses. It, it's a win-win for everyone, really. 
I agree. It's it's a huge win for the league if if they can get these guys excited about promoting their league and uh, you know promoting a good image uh, rather than giving off the wrong image at times as you see in leagues like the NFL and the NBA. So I think I, I love the idea of giving players additional incentives for fan engagement. I think it's going to be a great plus for this league. I'm excited to see more of it. That being said, uh, do you know if the fan engagement Will they lose bonuses if they uh, go after fans? I mean, you see a player like Trevor Bauer on Twitter who's tagging every single fan who comes at him and, you know, all, all of this stuff that, as terrible as it sounds, you want to see how he's playing the next time so then you could go on Twitter and roast him. You know, some people love to hate people, and that's what drives viewership. People will tune in to watch the Patriots because they want to see Tom Brady lose. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously if guys post something that is out of character or um, can be seen as offensive by people, they're going to get fined, and that's just the case mm -hmm. in any other league. It happens all the time, but... As long as they're staying within the guidelines, we don't know the guidelines. I'm sure there are some uh, that these guys need to follow in order to get their bonuses. Uh, I would think that that's okay, whether it's, you know, being nice, showing the charitable work that they've done, or just, you know, stirring up a little bit of chatter between some of the fans. I think it's all good for the league, and I think that's exactly what they want. So I don't think they're going to end up punishing any guys for, for anything like that. Yeah, that's good to hear. All right, Bob, so how are we going to watch the AAF? Tell me a little bit about uh, how we're going to experience it and, and where we can find these games. Yeah, so the initial contest as well as the championship game will both be on CBS. So that, that's going to be very easy to watch. You can just turn on your cable. Uh, after that, we will have to go on to CBS Sports Network, and they'll be showing one game a week. So we're still looking into seeing additional ways so you can see all four games each week because obviously you want to see as much as possible. But um, CBS Sports Network as well as, will it be available on their league app too? I believe it will be available on their league app. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah. And uh, you'll be able to see, like you said, the one game a week on CBS Sports Network. I'm surprised that they wouldn't, have any kind of an ability to see the additional three games on maybe the CBS Sports app or something like that. But mm -hmm. I could see that being something that they work into the rotation if year one goes successful here in 2019. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, I think it will. I, I think uh, being able to watch it on your phone really changes everything. You know, you, you can watch it if you're bored when you go out to dinner or if you're watching something else. And... Uh, it just makes it easy when you can watch on your phone. I know, was Thursday Night Football doing the Twitter um, uh, streams yeah, last year? Twitter, two years ago, they did Twitter. Mm -hmm. This year, it was Amazon Prime. Okay. So, yeah. different ways that to watch it there as well. Yeah, I actually caught it there. I had my Fire TV, and it worked out perfectly. Oh, there you go. To get there it without cable. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, very exciting to see what they're doing. Uh you know, game one on CBS, uh, and then through the championship game as well, promoting that. Uh, and we'll just kind of have to see how that all goes and whether or not they end up continuing this league. But I'm excited for some more football. So uh, we've given you the where to catch the game, now the when. So 
The Alliance of American Football will start on Saturday, February 9th at 8 p.m. It will kick off the 10-week, 40-game regular season at Spectrum Stadium in Florida. That is where the UCF Knights play their games. Orlando Apollos will host the Atlanta Legends. So it will be a good game. Uh, The other Week 1 matchups include the San Antonio Commanders and the San Diego Fleet playing in the Alamo Dome, a great venue there. That'll be very, very exciting. So we got a couple of good games here in some uh, some well-known venues. Looking forward to those. So generally, as the schedule lays out right now, there will be two Saturday games and two Sunday games. Now, the Saturday games will kick off at 8 p.m., so you want to tune into those primetime games, while Sunday night will kick off you know, basically when your late afternoon games would be in the NFL, around 4 p.m., 4.30 or so. Um, so, again, the kickoff game will be on CBS, and then we'll uh, have one game every week on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see them promote this new league on the CBS platform. Now, Boz, we've covered a lot here Uh We've gone through a lot of the different rules and some of the big names that, uh, that we have in the AAF in this inaugural season. Mm-hmm. So, so what are you excited to see here? What are you excited to see going into week one? And uh, in general, what are your thoughts on the Alliance of American Football? What I'm looking for is a very high-level game played. I am expecting somewhere in between high-level college and NFL. I mean, obviously, these guys are not NFL players, um, but, you know, I don't want to see high school-level performances out there. I think to have this league succeed, we need to see superstars out there making superstar-like plays. So, you know, I'm really hoping that this first game, to build the excitement, I'm hoping for a close one, something going into overtime, something coming down to the last play. Hopefully we can see that onside kickoff call, fourth and ten rule. You know, I'm I'm excited for it, and I just hope it's a, it's a good game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these players out there. These are going to be guys with a new lease on life. You know, mm-hmm. thought their career was over. They had nothing left to play for. Maybe they were, you know, about to go play in Canada. And now all of a sudden they have this opportunity to start in this brand new league. And they're not going to take this lightly. They're going to come into it. They have absolutely nothing to lose. There's there's nowhere to go but up for them. And they're going to be looking to make some big-time plays. So I'm really excited to see. We're going to see some long bombs down the field. We're going to see some big-time tackles. It's mm-hmm. going to be a very, very interesting football game. Guys are going to be laying it out there on the line, trying to get themselves up to the next level. But the on the flip side of that, you may end up seeing some selfish football. It's not going to be the same team game that you see in the NFL. I think it'll be very much like the minor leagues, where everyone mm-hmm. is happy to be where they are, but, but they're looking to get to the next level. You know, Nobody gets recognized for... Uh, winning double-A championships, they want to make it to the major league level where they can then help that team win a World Series. So I think we're going to see a lot of the same action like this. This will serve as a farm system for the NFL, and it should make for some really exciting football. Uh, And I know we are both very excited for it. So uh, I think on that note, we're going to wrap up this show. Uh, You know, we had a really good talk about 
what some of the inner workings of the Alliance of American Football, some of the big names that we're going to see, and some of the key differences that uh, we're going to see in this league from the NFL. So uh, for all of us here at K2 Sports, this has been the Inside the Alliance podcast. I'm Kevin Long with Kevin Boswick. We hope you guys enjoyed the first week of AAF football, and uh, have a great one, folks.